Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another festive Mardi Gras edition of Take Three, the podcast that used to be wrong and wronger, but we can't seem to get started and out of our own way. This is Steve. It wasn't my fault this time, Olivas. And he is James. I screwed it up again for the second week in a row, Breakwell. And James, man. How are you doing today, sir? Okay, so I tried to start without a microphone. <laughs> like, like that's important. Like, anybody needs to hear me on a podcast. Come on. Well, we have another tip of the cap, literally and figuratively, to superfan Judy P. As she sent what she has deemed the final hat that I will wear on this show. And it's a good one. It doesn't quite fit over my head because of the <laughs> headphones, James. But you've got to admit, Judy P has outdone herself. It this is time. the height of style, and I wonder. I wonder if her kindness isn't part of what's holding us back. You know, like uh, how, how you see like millionaires, like athletes, and they they brag and they show off like their 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 G six jets Ooh, and all this. Yeah. yeah, people are like that is so unattractive. Like we have, we are so far down the totem pole, and we get such meager spoils, but they're awesome and they're sent with love, and so we. We sit here and we brag about the things that Judy P sends us and we manage to turn off everybody else. You know what though? I'm sure Judy P enjoys it and we certainly enjoy it. So to all the other listeners who don't even exist anyway, you're out of luck. We're going to talk about it anyway. You. Yeah. I do have to, I just want to hold up the Barbie doll that we were talking about last <laughs> week. The uh, Tim Hortons hockey Barbie doll. It came literally the day we did the podcast. So I've been sitting on it for a week, but Mrs. Steve never owned a Barbie now has one that she can be proud of. So thank you to Judy P. But this is the podcast where we used to argue about things that didn't matter to anybody, and it turned out we were spot-on accurate with that appraisal. So we had to change format, and now we have fireside chats with snifters of brandy and silk-smoking robes. And James, your, uh, your column, not your podcast, I don't watch your podcast, but... Your column inspired the topic this week. What are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about injuries, all the fun ways we've hurt ourselves. And uh, even though we do have a new format, the title still sticks because we are still wrong and wronger about everything. And people continue to not care about what we talk about. So really, no, no. we are still all the way on brand. We have ones of listeners, yes. <laughs> But your column this week was about, uh, you were sort of going through your daughters and all of the different ER visits that you've had with them and how parenting is such a delight and you spend many hours pacing in an ER. But I thought, have we, you and I, ever spent time for ourselves in the ER? And I've known you for several years, James. I don't think I know the answer to this one. Have you been sent to the emergency room for an injury? You know what? I, when I was very little, I think I was, and this is something uh, that's in my next books. So you're getting a getting a preview of it, just dumping Ooh. out free content here. But yeah, so um, when I was like three or four, my dad's best friend had a girlfriend who's now his wife, and uh, she was like shaking my hand, being silly, and she shook it enough that my shoulder or my elbow oh! or something else popped out now <sighs> and i know my, my arm ended up in a sling now so since then i've realized that kids just have no muscles and they have loose tendons and like those things pop out all the time like 
several of my kids have had our elbows or shoulders or whatever pop out like at daycare and those hardcore daycare ladies just like popped it back in like it was no big deal I'm like we'll fix that but you know my parents are first timers they didn't know i'm sure i, I freaked out like a baby because i'm I, I doubt i was exactly the manliest of men at three and uh and yeah i, I went to the emergency room for that, that I, i'm pretty Ooh. sure well hey I, I can't always have been as great as I am right now. I had to have something to aspire to to achieve that. Wow. But other than that, I've never had stitches. I've never had a lot of things. I'm very averse to risk and injury. I'm okay with Are watching... Are you kidding me? I like watching other people be stupid. I'm not going to put myself out there. I'm a survivor, Steve. I will. I am way in the backfield watching those guys in the front lines get hurt. What about you? You Wait, you have... You have never had stitches or a broken bone in your life. Never. So I drink my milk and now I eat my beef. My bones are rock hard. <laughs> Wolverine's got nothing on me. It's like adamantium in there. Yeah. So that's I, what it is. If something runs into me, it's breaking. I'm, I'm too solid. I'm sorry. <laughs> it has nothing to do with living a life of leisure and apathy. Is that right? <laughs> there was, I, I, I've had my rough and tumble moments, but uh, yeah, I've never... <laughs> You know, and I used to get things like, uh, well, like basketball, you get jammed fingers, those hurt a lot, or, you know, you twist an ankle or whatever else. But, like, in terms of actual traumatic injuries, I mean, I mostly did, you know, track and cross country. And really the, the main ways you get hurt in that is just, like, falling down and scraping yourself. It's really hard to break a bone in track or cross country. And if you do, you're probably, like, 80 years old or you just fell in just a freakish <laughs> way. Uh, although, I mean, that, that was one of the stories in the newsletter this week. My daughter, my 10-year-old, her teacher fell tripping over a door stop and she yep. broke a rib and a nose and you think oh my gosh Golly. that poor old lady and she's she, i think she's my age or maybe a little older i mean if you fall and you don't catch yourself and you land on a hard surface i mean bones i mean they break if you get that unobstructed impact maybe maybe the reason i don't have any broken bones is i just catch myself my cat-like reflexes that keep me on my toes around you also save me from <laughs> gravity so but i, I get you, the I, go ahead go ahead uh, you you actually inspired a thought. Oh, I, I do <laughs> Which, that sometimes. Uh, it's been about a year and a half, but I wonder if you said something that sort of caught my attention there when you said, if you don't catch yourself. And I wonder, James, because you and I are boys and we did <laughs> rough and tumble things. I wonder if we kind of learned how to fall and huh. uh, maybe the teacher didn't. That's an interesting thought. Because how many times did you wipe out on your bike when you were a kid? Oh, Probably several, right? Yeah, that's one of my one of my lingering knee injuries that I'm still overcoming now. Was uh, I <laughs> I was riding back in the day, long ago in the dark ages. Like when you were old enough to ride a bike, you could just disappear yeah. over the horizon, and your parents oh, didn't yeah. ask any questions. So I was so like <laughs> I think by the time I was in high school, my my boundaries for where I could go was basically my entire city. So me and a friend were several <laughs> miles from home on a windy country road that was asphalt and there was like a drop off of an inch or two and my bike's front wheel slipped over and when it went off of that it twisted at 90 degrees and I went flying over the top and landed on my knee and it felt like I tore a muscle or a tendon loose under my kneecap and uh, I had I ended up I, I thought it was gonna be the end of my running career I ended up I was able to run on it but it seems like something always shifts around under there and it's it's given me trouble oh. off and on ever since and I just recently started a knee rehab program that's kind of fixing it. it turns out the problem probably wasn't the injury it was the fact that after I injured it I took it on I took it easy on that knee for the rest of my life and it probably uh. just got weak and that caused all the problems so I should have been doing the opposite of what I was doing uh, but yeah that like you know I definitely threw my hands out like my hands were all cut up I 
I throw my hands out when I'm not even close to falling. That is my natural reaction for everything. When I was really little, um, so I learned to walk before I learned to crawl. Uh, I was running around, you know, those those walkers that they say are terrible for children now. You're not yeah. supposed to put them in. Well, obviously, I was in it all the time. And uh, <laughs> running around, and eventually, apparently, I would pick up the walkers. I would run because it was slowing me down. So my mom <laughs> took me out of it. And I just took off running without it. But because I had never crawled, I didn't know how to catch myself. So I would fall flat on my face. I fell like a tree. Apparently, my face used to get all bloody and stuff. So maybe, maybe I can catch myself now because I was so bad at catching myself at an early age. I don't know. Uh, well, do you catch yourself, Steve? I, I have a hard time ever seeing you react quickly to any situation. Uh, well, it's it's a little bit anomalous because I was a pretty high-level athlete when I was younger. So I think I developed reflexes. Like, I remember uh, shooting a Nerf gun at my son once, and a dart ricocheted off the wall, came back at my face, and bef I caught it without even Whoa. knowing I moved my hand. That's like Matrix-level. Like <laughs> I did a little Neo backbend first, yeah. But I, I do believe, I wonder, kids nowadays, I don't think play outside as much or ride bikes as much or skateboard as much. And I wonder if they will have more fall-related injuries because they didn't learn how to fall like we did through repetition, unfortunately. But I think there is some muscle memory or reflex that evolves through that. We sound like such old curmudgeons. Kids today don't fall enough. Go, oh, go, go push them down. Oh, <laughs> just knock them down. Put that newspaper down. You make the pages stick okay. together. You can see you but out there. I have been. You just walk around <laughs> tripping people as you walk your dog. It's like, it's good for you, kid. Get on the ground. <laughs> with my walker with four tennis balls on the bottom of it. Yes. I have had several broken bones, and I have been stitched. I think I've only had one round of stitches in my life that oh. I can remember. And it was on uh, the palm of my right hand. You can still kind of see the scar. I'm trying to hold it up and point to it. You can still see the puncture marks from the stitches. But I cut it with a knife. I was cutting a bagel, Ooh. and I was cutting the knife downward toward my hand. And it went right through the bagel like a hot knife through a bagel and then into my <laughs> skin. I actually severed the nerve, oh. so I, can't, I don't have any feeling on the outside of my index finger. But the broken bones, I've broken my nose twice. Wow. Once uh, <laughs> through a punch that uh, my buddy Brad, it's his fault because he started the fight. And then once was playing football. It was also a punch. And that <laughs> time my, my nose got pushed under my right eye and it didn't bleed at all. But I remember uh, one of my buddies looked at it and he said, your nose is confused. Ooh. <laughs> and when I went to the hospital, they cauterized it using liquid cocaine. So they Whoa. shoved that up my nose because the doctor put on a glove, grabbed my nose, and he had to pull it back into place. And I remember I could hear it sort of crackling along my skull as it went back into place. And it never quite straightened out. It still got a little bend to it. But... The second time was a punch because we were playing pickup football with a couple of ruffian twins from the wrong side of the tracks, <laughs> probably from like Palmyra or something. We didn't even know him, but my buddy Brad clotheslined one of them because he was a dick. And then he got up and his brother jumped on Brad and I jumped on them and one punched me. And I remember I put my hands over my face and then leaned forward and there was snow on the ground and like all of this blood came pouring oh. onto the snow. So we had to go back to the emergency room, get my nose packed. But the only other broken bone, I broke my ankle once playing pickup football because Kurt Radetzky's brother rolled me. 
And uh, I remember the uh, the doctor put a clipboard on the sole of my foot and used the clipboard to kind of like move my foot back into place. Mm. <laughs> but that was the only real broken bone, broken bone I've had, and the only stitches I've had other than surgery, like dental surgery and. So, I had a thing in my privates where I had a kidney stone get lodged. They had to go get it. It's my favorite gross Steve week. story. It, 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 you, yeah, were, you were hurt and embarrassed at the same time. It had everything. <laughs> James knows the whole story. I never shared the whole story, but it's cringeworthy. Yeah, it is. But those are my only hospital escapades. For as much sports as I played, I, I never really got badly hurt. It's That's why I wonder if... There's something about movement that teaches your body how to protect itself. I've never thought about that till you said, if you don't break your fall. That's an interesting point you brought up without even knowing. Could it. you feel when they, so after they gave you liquid cocaine, which I'm just going to assume mm -hmm. that's a real thing. Could you feel when yes. they reset the nose or were you so high you couldn't even feel it? No, I was, I, later on, uh, the girl that took me <laughs> wasn't my girlfriend, but she said a few of the things that I mentioned in the back of the car on my way back from the emergency room. I don't have any memory of it, and I'll deny it all to this day. But no, <laughs> I remember I could see, it was sort of like a POV in a movie. I was looking at the fluorescent lights overhead, and I could hear the nose going back into place, oh. but I didn't feel it. It was a very surreal moment. So what did you say that you're going to deny to your dying day? Or I'm sorry, what did you not say? I, I, listen, it's been a long time. The transcripts have been buried long ago. I think they're still sealed by court order. I don't have any idea, James. All I know is I was really into that relationship with my girlfriend at the time. So uh, I guess uh, if you count teeth as a bone, I've broken a tooth uh, in a really, really stupid way. So I was in fourth grade, and we were killing time before school. And my sister, the fourth in line, the fourth of seven, and I think she was probably the youngest at the time, we decided to play hide-and-go-seek with our eyes closed because kids are stupid. I mean, that's just, that's the only explanation. So she... This is like yeah, danger, Marco Polo. But, like, it wasn't just that we were going to play hide-and-seek with our eyes closed. Like, I, we were going to be safe. So she was going to be like my seeing-eye dog. So I put my hand on her, and she was going to lead me around to catch the other kids. And there was, like, oh a little stub God. wall that stuck out. And she tried to lead me around this corner, and she led my face right into this wall, like, at full speed. <laughs> and it cracked off, like, diagonally part of my front tooth. And, uh, like, I walk into the bathroom holding half of my front tooth, and my mom was not pleased. And I cracked it in the Ooh. worst possible way, because I cracked it right below the nerve. So every time I breathed in, I, like, the air would hit that nerve, but the tooth oh. was still alive. And oh. I was so young, for some reason, they wouldn't give me a permanent cap yet. They gave me a temporary one that would fall off if you ate anything hard or if you got hit by oh. literally anything, like a sibling's elbow or a basketball or a dodgeball. And that temporary thing fell off all the time. And every time it did, I had to wait till like the next day for a dentist appointment. And in the meantime, anything, all air and water, may, may have, it just, you know, it was the worst pain imaginable. Oh. If that tooth would have just died and I had a root canal that first day, it would have solved every problem. But I was afraid of dental shots. I never once got a painkiller shot and I never got the root canal. So I just had to deal with that stupid nerve up until I was, I don't know, eighth grade, I think, or freshman year in high school. And they finally put a permanent cap on it. And I still got that cap to this day. But man, that is like my greatest fear now is cracking teeth. I have so many bad memories from that stupid tooth falling off. 
and every time getting those jolts of pain. My wife, oddly enough, showing how well matched we are, she had a very similar injury. She cracked off the front of both of her front teeth, uh, roller skating on her front driveway. She fell over and yeah. face planted. Uh, so her front teeth are also half fake. So, so there you go. We are the fake teeth family. <laughs> I didn't know that one of your front teeth was fake. See? Yeah, they did a good job, apparently, either that or you just don't look at me. Kind of like how I didn't know your nose was crooked because I don't know if I've ever actually looked sure. at you. I kind of try to look past yeah. you, over you, wherever else, any place that's not your face. Yeah, well, you're a good bit taller than I am, so I don't <laughs> care for where my eyes end up landing when I look directly at you, James. That's, being tall is great for avoiding eye contact. I think that's why I always prefer to date short <laughs> women because, like, you know, you're dating, you know, I'm dating with, or uh, dancing with Lola. I can just look right over her head. No awkwardness whatsoever. <laughs> just whoop. It's, uh, you're 6'2", 6'3"? I am 6'2", I think. I think technically I'm, like, 6'1 and 3 quarters barefoot. I mean, that is... So I just round to six two, kind of like my wife is five one and three quarters, and she rounds it to five two. And I give her, I give her a hard time about it every time. It's like she's going to tell you she's five two, but she's not. She's five one and three quarters. Get it right. Wow, so you're literally a foot taller than I'm your wife. Exactly a foot taller than my wife. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Is your I when I started? Is your what? wife taller than you? No, no, no. She well, it's interesting. She was supposed to be, but she <laughs> fell out of a tree when she was twelve and uh, sort of telescoped one leg up, mm -hmm. and so her leg is toast even to this day. Oh. She needs an ankle replacement, but she damaged her growth plates, and so I in that one side. So I think they damaged her growth plates on the other side to keep her even. She was supposed to be five nine. Oh wow. Like our son is 16, he's 6'1 already, and I'm five, I used to be 5'9", let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, she's only 5'2 and a half, and oh. I remember I had a standing rule, I would never date a woman, or a girl probably back then, under 5'3". And I remember I asked her when we started dating, how tall are you, and she lied and said 5'3". So I don't know how it all works out, but that was many years ago, and I guess it worked out more for her. Obviously, because she's married <laughs> to all this. I'm game. curious about the. Okay, so uh, first of all, I find it implausible that you would have the ability to screen out any women and not just take like, whatever was available. But why? Why five two? Why is that like? What, what is the problem with short women? No, no, it's five three. Okay, but Please, what's what? Why is that? Why is that the line? Like, what what issue were you going to run into if the woman is short? I am legitimately curious, which is not often a reaction I have to anything you say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember why the rule exists, but there was a maximum on that too. It was a floor and a ceiling. Oh. It was five three to five six. Yeah, my... because I, I don't know. I had stupid <laughs> rules when I was young. <laughs> I always, uh, and I think my thing was just I want to be able to look over the top of your head. So if you're my height, I have to wear heels. I mean, that's just how it's got to be. I got to be able to see over the top of your head <laughs> so I can avoid eye contact and just solve that problem. That's uh, well, you didn't date before Lola did. Like, did I you mean, ever date a girl not, who was tall? I mean, I always had you know dates to dances and things like that. Long term, not really. No, is throw my lack of dating history in my face. But the you know in generally, <laughs> I, but I guess being six two, I mean, pretty much every girl is shorter than me, and it, like. The, the few I've run, I don't, 
I, I, in my entire life, I've only run into a couple women who aren't shorter than me. I mean, they are out there, and it yeah. always it always strikes me as unusual. But I mean, being six two, I mean, I, I guess it's like fourteen percent of men are over six feet. So most guys, they're either shorter than me or about my height. So it always strikes me as really unusual when I do encounter somebody who is like yeah. clearly taller than me. Have you ever seen yeah. somebody who's over seven foot, like not a basketball player, but just like yeah. a regular guy walking around seven foot? It's like it's like a giant. I saw one guy; he was sitting in a yeah. chair, and like you could even see sitting in a chair. It's like you are you are not human proportions. Like you're, it's uh, it's an incredible sight to behold that people can be that big. I saw in an airport. I was walking near. I don't know if you remember who Manute Bol was. I do not. He is dead now, but he was... <laughs> Good story. Uh, he, <laughs> but before he died, <laughs> he was at, a, I think, the Dallas airport. He was an NBA player, but okay. this was after his career. But he was seven foot six. Wow. And uh, just watching him move was... It was almost like a Pixar animation, the way <laughs> somebody moves when they're that tall. It was, it was definitely a spectacle. That's, yeah, that's incredible. So I, I'm kind of glad I'm the height I am. I mean, I guess I really wouldn't want to be much taller than 6'3 or 6'4 <laughs> even because you get to a point you can't wear normal clothes. You hit your head on everything. Like the world, it's, it's really kind of built for people who are about 5'8, five, 5'9 five, up to about 6'2 or 6'3. Like beyond that, everything's an inconvenience. And uh, we, we know a thing or two about inconveniences. <laughs> Do you fit in every car? Yeah. I mean, okay, get this. My first car, this is, we are way off topic, even more than usual here. My first car was a Geo. More G than usual. Yeah. I, a Geo Metro convertible, a white one, oh three God. cylinders. Like, I don't know if it's physically possible to make a smaller car than that. And at that time, I was. For $27. And I think yes. I, I, I was 6'2 by my freshman year in high school, or right around there. But I started wow. out at like 140 pounds. So you could have fit like two of me in the front seat by my sophomore year I was probably 150 or something like that but it, it was uh yeah that was the smallest car I could only seat two people but of course I had lots of people to haul so they would have to like there was a, a fabric flap between that and the trunks people could crawl over the seat and get back down in the trunk it would shake violently if it got over 45 miles an hour like my parents sold it before I went to college because if I hit anything larger than a squirrel I would die but it was it was a fun little car it was here get this with the, all three cylinders and zero horsepower it was a manual so like you had, was in there shifting the clutch and really revving that engine yeah it got 40 I think it got 42 miles to the gallon city 45 or 40 highway like it was practically a Prius it was it was a pretty incredible little vehicle and I only had a half mile to drive to school and it'd be like three or, or maybe five or six miles out to the county park to run for cross country and stuff so it wasn't like I was going far but yeah as soon as I had to go any meaningful distance they they took that car away <laughs> well you've always driven minivans since I've known you but 62 has to be about the upper limit of what cars are built for because they go they go right down the middle. They're probably built for guys 59 that are my height. And so I would imagine you're 5 inches taller than me. You are probably at the one end of tolerance for well, how cars are built. Yeah, I you know, I don't think I 
I don't know that I've ever really been in many situations where my height is an inconvenience. But to be honest, being tall is amazing. The uh, the only <laughs> the worst <laughs> is when uh, it was with spider webs, especially if you're like out in a trail first thing in the day and somebody shorts <laughs> running in front of you. Like they'll clear out all the spider webs and they miss all the ones that are at face height and you just hit them all. <laughs> I don't like that. But doorways are usually what six six or six eight, so I don't run into too many things there. But sometimes if you're going to like an older house, uh, the ceilings are real low or like they won't cut the stairway quite right. And you got to duck a little bit. Um, I ran into that. I run into fix, uh, problems sometimes with low light fixtures, especially around like dining room tables that aren't where they're supposed to, and you got a dangling fixture down low. I've I've hit my head on many things. None that have sent me back to the emergency room. So we'll get back on topic oh, there. But oh, yeah, yeah oh, look at that. Woo! Full circle. Yeah. It's uh with those injuries though, especially with like kids, you always have that conversation, or even with friends. I remember in I remember in college, my buddy was sitting on a he was like sitting on a, a brick. Uh, what's what not a railing but like a ledge and he fell off somehow and he like hit his lip below like the skin below his lip and it like went like straight through and his girlfriend said you have to go to the emergency room and so he came and he found me because he knew i'd be the one person to tell him to suck it up and not go to the emergency (laughs) room because you know you don't want to go to the after you've been there you've taken people there you know what it is you're going to be out if you got good insurance you're still going to be out three or four hundred bucks best case scenario you're going to lose hours of (laughs) your life it's just it's going to be a whole thing and i told like when he talked it moved it split apart it's like you got to go to the emergency room man (laughs) but you and i go through the same process with my kids though they get hurt and they're like do we need to take them to the emergency room are we going to be bad parents if we take them or are we going to be overprotective parents if we take them and that's always kind of the line it's like is this going to fix itself does it open up when they move and you gotta my my youngest waffle she had a streak there where she went like it was like two or three times in two or three months and it's like they're gonna think we're abusing this child so it's always there's always a debate for the emergency room and i don't think you know i I was gonna say it's a parenting thing but thinking back to that college story i don't think it is i think i think it's always that risk reward scenario where you feel stupid if you go in and you didn't have to and you feel stupid if you didn't go in and you should have oh well James, I hate to cut that uh, story, but it sounds like you hit a natural stopping point. We're going to stop abusing the listeners and viewers <laughs> right now. We're going to come back again next week and do it one more time, but that's really not on us. If you show up too, you sort of, it's a self-inflicted wound, you being here, let's face it. And until next week, and we'll see what topic we uncork, and if you have ideas... Uh, just talk amongst yourself at the dinner table. We don't want to hear them one way or the other. But until next week, this is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve for James, the exploding unicorn breakwell, saying thanks for listening, thanks for watching. If anybody wants to send me a hat, I'm always open to those kind of suggestions. And until next week, always remember that two wrongs can make a right.